Employment Hour, back with you. The number anytime to get a hold of Lior and the team, 1-855-821-5900, of course, and help at employmenthour.com. We have been receiving and always receive a ton of emails uh, emails each week, Lior, so we're going to get through a bunch of those on the show today and uh, get some uh, some questions answered in that regard. First, though, we always start with the week that was. How are you, brother? Hey, John. I'm uh, doing great and been uh, been busy. I had a, a week where I spent a lot of time in the office. Uh, people that have heard the show the previous week or the week before that, and they, uh, you know, kind of triggered something or a question, mm-hmm. so they called, the emailed. So I've had the opportunity to speak with a lot of people, which is terrific, absolutely terrific. So if you're in the same situation right now and you're listening to us, uh, tune in. We're going to talk about uh, a lot of topics. We're going to cover a, a gamut of uh, issues in in the workplace uh, realm here, but we may not necessarily cover everything that you're dealing with. So call email. Let's talk about this privately. Let's talk about any concerns, issues, and problems you're facing with because, as I say, there's almost always a solution or there's at least a way to make your problem better. So don't don't be bashful. Don't be uh, afraid to make the call. We'll give you my contact information so many times throughout the show, so it's going to be very easy to, to reach me. And where we start off, as always, every week, the week that was, a couple of situations that I saw just over the past few days where hopefully uh, our, our listeners can get something out of them. First situation uh, I'm going to mention, I spoke with a gentleman who had worked for a courier, as a courier driver for some, uh, some five or six years. Uh, as a courier driver, he worked full-time hours, and uh, he had worked, driven a, a company van uh, to do his deliveries uh, right here in, in, in Toronto. Well, guess what? Uh, this company that, that always treated him as an independent contractor, and recently they came to him and they said, well, business is slowing down. We can't afford to have this car on the road with you. If you want, you can drive your own vehicle, which, by the way, is a small sedan, and you'd have to pay for your own expenses, but if you want, you can continue working on that basis. Uh, and they assume that they can do that because he's an independent contractor. Well, again, not so fast. This guy contacted me and he wanted to know, what well, can they do that? The first thing I said is the reality was he was really an employee. He worked for them for full-time hours exclusively for them. He, he drove a company vehicle. They paid for the expenses. So he was an employee just like anyone. And by the way, John, this is very common with, with drivers, courier drivers, mm-hmm. truck drivers. When they're misclassified uh, as independent contractors, when, when they're really not. So what does this mean now when they're changing the deal? They're saying you have to drive your own vehicle, you have to pay your expenses, your compensation is going to get changed uh, accordingly. Well, because he's an employee, this is a constructive dismissal. They can't do that. So what does it mean for him? He means that he now can say, no, I'm not accepting that. And if you're doing it anyway, I'm going to leave. I'm going to treat my employment as being terminated, constructively terminated. And you're going to have to pay me severance. For him, that's easily six, seven, even eight months of pay. So that's what's at stake for this gentleman. I wanted to bring this up again to to emphasize this whole idea of uh, misclassification between employees and independent contractors. Very, very common. And if you are an employee, you have the rights of an employee, including the right not to have your job changed. Very common in many industries, certainly with drivers. So if you're in that situation, hopefully that's some things to, to learn from. John, I see this all the time. What would the uh, pitfalls be a, if he accepted it and said, okay, I guess I'll use my own car or simply said, no way, that's, that's total, you know what, I'm walking out of here and quitting? 
Well, the problem, the first problem, obviously, if he accepted, the, the, the obvious problem is he's making less money. So right off the bat, it's going to impact him, uh, you know, where, where it hurts in the, in the pocketbook, uh, and, and that's a problem. But beyond that, if he lets them do it, they, then he gives them the right to do it again, and maybe next month they reduce his compensation or change his job even more, and that's a problem. If you let the company get away with it one time, they can do it again. So he is better off, as we've just said, uh, I think certainly, to leave and get his severance and find a different position when they're not going to do that. And that's exactly what he wanted to do. It didn't make sense for him to, to stay, especially when he realized that he'd be out severance. What else you got uh, What else you got going on? Spoke with uh, another gentleman, an older gentleman, that uh, has been working as a superintendent for about a dozen years now. And he had uh, worked in a, in, a, in a building. He'd done his job. Everything was fine. Never had a problem. He also lives in the building. Part of his compensation was an apartment that the, um, the his employer provided for him. Well, his employer came to him recently and said, well, you know, you, you've just turned 72 years old. We feel that you can't really do the physical aspects of your job. So unfortunately, we have to let you go. Now, for this person, this was a complete shock. As far as he was concerned, even though he was 72, he was in good health, he was doing his job, he may have slowed down in some areas. It, you know, age is, is uh, you can't escape it. But as far as he was concerned, everything was fine. Uh, so what does this mean for him? They said, you know, you have to be out of there in a, in, in a few weeks. Uh, well, first of all, they can't let him go because of his age. That's a human rights violation. You cannot let someone go because of, of their age. Now, even if age impacts their job, maybe they, they're not as strong or as fast or they can't do some of the physical aspects of the job, well, at that point, his employer has to accommodate. That may mean changing his job, giving him some support, uh, maybe uh, providing an assistant, whatever it is, to provide that accommodation. Now, uh, if he really, really can't do any of the job, that may be different. Clearly, that wasn't the case here. So number one, right off the top, this was a human rights violation. They were not allowed to do what they were doing. But the other aspect of this, even apart from the human rights violation, I think they tell them you have to be out in 10 weeks. Well, wait a second. He was actually was owed at least a year's severance, a year. So not only did they have to pay him for a year, they should have allowed him to keep the apartment for a year. Whereas now they say you're going to be on the street for, for uh, you know, without an apartment in 10 weeks. So I'm going to be helping him to get the compensation that he's owed. He's owed the severance. He's owed the apartment for, for that period of time potentially human rights damages. So I wanted to remind everyone, employers and employees, that age is not a consideration when it comes to employing someone. It can't be. Uh, that's not me saying that. That's what the law says. You can't fire someone because of their age. And if age impacts the job, the employer has to accommodate. Before we take a break here, you mentioned the difference in uh, in monies that he's owed. A uh, simple way for everybody else to learn that and get it down accurately is the severance pay calculator, right? Well, a recurring theme in this show, most of our show, is the idea of severance, the amount of compensation that you're owed if you lost your job. And rather than me always telling people what it is, I've created a tool that allows anyone to find out what it is, severancepaycalculator.com, the tool available. It's free and anonymous, and it allows anyone to find out what they're owed if they lost your job. It's uh, easy to use. It takes seconds. So really, there's no excuse not to use it. It's accurate. And so many people I know, because they've told me, uh, they ask me, well, wait a second, why do I need this? I know what it is. It's a week per year of service. I can do math. I don't need your severance calculator. Nonsense. Wrong, wrong, wrong. It's not a week per year of service. It's not two weeks or three weeks per year of service. It's based on other factors. You have to go to severancepaycalculator.com. If you think you know what you're owed, 
Take the severance pay calculator test right now. Go to the website, punch in your information, again, anonymously, and see what you're actually owed. And now you have that information, and if you're ever called into a meeting with HR and are let go, you're not going to be taken for a ride. You're not going to get or accept less than you're owed because you would have had the right information. SeverancePayCalculator.com and the number to get a hold of Lior and the team anytime, as you know, one 821 5900 We're going to get into those emails after we uh, take a short break. That is help at employmenthour.com as well. Continues right here, Global News Radio. It is the email edition of the Employment Hour. On the other side, you want to get a hold of Lior when we're not on air, one 821 5900 And the email address is help at employmenthour.com. The other shows on the weekend, of course, on the TV side, Employment Hour at 30, that happens on Saturday and Sunday mornings on Global TV and CTV, uh, respectively. Get the bill first here. Lior says, uh, my employer found out that I lied on my resume when I applied for the job. I was fired on the spot. I've not been paid any severance. Am I owed anything? Yeah, you'd be surprised, but I have actually come across this situation more times than I would have expected. Uh, I've probably seen it at least half a dozen times, if not more. Yeah where someone uh, you know, misrepresents something on a resume, maybe sometimes even flat out lies, I guess to bolster themselves and make them look better, uh, a company eventually finds out about it and they say, well, wait a second, uh, that was dishonest, we're gonna let you go. So, so here's how this works. It really comes down to how big a deal was that misrepresentation, okay? So if you say in your resume that you graduated from university in 2007, but you really graduated in 2008, well, that probably is not a big deal in the sense that that probably didn't impact the company's decision to hire you. But if you say in your resume that you were, you were the VP of sales, but you were really just a salesperson, and the company hires you on that basis, well, wait a second, then that is a misrepresentation. The company hired you on that basis, which means they, you know, they hired you under false pretenses. So yeah, could they at that point terminate you and not have to pay you severance? Yes, they could. So it's not necessarily enough for the employer to show that you lied on your resume. It has to be a, a, a lie or a, misrepresenta- a misrepresentation of a material fact. A material fact, if you say you, know, you have a certain degree, but you don't. Uh, if you say that you were uh, in, in a certain role, but you were not in that role or not nowhere near that, then that is a problem. If you're fudging something, some facts, or exaggerating a bit, that's not good. You know, everyone should always be honest. But that would not be enough for a company to let you go for cause without severance. So what, what is the advice here? Well, the advice is be honest. Always be honest on your resume. But if you are let go, if you are caught in the lie when it comes to resume, we would have to assess what you lied on. Is it something that the, it was important to the company? Is it something that they relied on when they hired you? Uh, if it wasn't, then even though you lied, you may not be able to be let go. So the devil is always in the details, and it's always worth making a call to check the situation to find out if what the company did is legal. Yeah, it's it's you know the the, the job application, the resume is where you want to tell the truth. I mean, this isn't a dating app. I mean, if you're <laughs> Vern Troyer, don't say you're six foot four. Okay, don't do the same thing on a job application or a resume, right? Yes, that's right. You should you should uh, check out my Match.com profile, uh, me, me and my uh, Leonardo DiCaprio picture that I have there. Of course. Uh, but no, you're absolutely right. Honesty is extremely important because a company is going to rely on that information on the resume. And, and it's just not a good way to start a relationship with a new right. employer if you started off with a lie. Bad idea. Uh, but then again, you know, if you end up doing that, there, you know, there could or could not be repercussions depending on the specific situation. 
The number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred to get a hold of Lior and the team. Send your email across as we get through them for the remainder of the hour. Uh, severancepaycalculator.com as well. You want to find out what your severance should be. We talked about that in the last segment. If you haven't used it, try it. You'll be in the pool with about, uh, well, now over half a million people that have tried that uh, severance calculator, so give that a shot. Rob, next one up, says... Can I be fired after being falsely accused of something I didn't do? My employer refused to listen to my side of the story and just to someone else's word. Well, you know, there's a number of issues uh, here. For obviously, first of all, you can't be fired for cause if you didn't do something that you've alleged right. to, be, to have done. That, that's yeah. as simple as that, right? I mean, if you're, the company alleges that, that you stole and you didn't steal, well, clearly you shouldn't be fired for cause. And, you know, that maybe you have a cause of action for wrongful dismissal. But it brings up this other issue, this question, and that is the company's obligation to investigate, to make informed decision. So if if you're being accused of something, the company has to investigate that. They can't and should not take someone's word for it uh, unless there's complete proof. What does that mean? That means they have to look at all facts and they have to talk to all important and relevant people. So if you're telling the company, no, no, I didn't do it, then you should speak with Joanne and and with uh, David who will confirm that I didn't do it. Well, they have to do that. They have to speak to these people. They can't say, well, we don't need to bother because we've already concluded that you've done that. That's not, an, not a proper investigation. And the company is not going to be cut any slack if they don't investigate properly. So, yeah, I would say in this situation, if the company did not investigate properly, uh, if they were given information to check up on and they didn't do that, well, they can't accuse someone of doing something when they didn't do their homework. Listen, if if there's a video of this person stealing from the safe, well, they probably don't need to investigate much more. But if it's a he said, she said, and they haven't yet uh, looked and talked to everyone that they should be talking to, that's an improper investigation. And there's always almost going to be an assumption that the company's conclusion is wrong. So this person sounds like he may have a really good case for a wrongful dismissal. Remember, you can only be let go for cause, i.e. without severance, if the company can establish, if the company can prove that you did something very, very, very bad, yeah. number one, that you did it, and number one, they have to be able to prove it. You don't have to disprove uh, what the company says. They're the ones that, has to, that have to prove it. So if they don't do a proper investigation, it's going to be very difficult for them to prove anything. And even to a greater degree, same thing goes for, say, harassment. If someone's bringing something on, they have to investigate. They don't have a choice. They have to, and, yeah. and certainly these days uh, in the uh, in the whole Me Too movement, and even before that, uh, when harassment investigations are being brought up, and they don't have to be sexual harassment; they could be uh, other types of harassment. But whenever harassment investi- uh, or allegations are being made, the company's first uh, course of action is to investigate to determine what happened. Yeah. Uh, you know, the reality is there's no such thing, despite what our prime minister may say, that certain people have to be believed. That It doesn't work that way. Everyone should be given a fair opportunity to advance their, uh, their position, to, to explain their position. Everyone should be heard. And then it's the company's decision who they believe based on an investigation. And if the company doesn't investigate, then they're going to have a very difficult time to do anything about it. They have to investigate, take proper measures based on that investi- investigation. Sometimes that may mean even bring an outside investigator that that is a professional that knows how to investigate these issues. So when it comes to harassment or any other type of workplace misconduct, the first thing the company has to do is investigate and figure out what actually happened. Danielle, your email is up next, but we'll take a short break first. Yours can be sent along at help at employmenthour.com. The number all the time to get a hold of your member of the team, one 855 
to 15900. See employment hour is here. Global News Radio. 1-855-821-5900. That's the alternative to email to get a hold of the or anytime or a member of his team as well. The email, by the way, which is what we are going through uh, on this edition of the show, is help at employmenthour.com. As promised, Danielle, you're next. Says, uh, Ryson says, I quit my job because my employer owed me $4,000 in holiday pay and vacation pay, and he refused to pay. I asked for payment many times, and he always promised that he would never did is there anything that i can do to get what he owes me well obviously that's not a very good employer uh no. first the rule of employing people is you got to pay them what you owe them uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it doesn't get any more basic than that so and it's the same if you owe someone vacation pay or holiday pay or overtime whatever it is it's the same frankly as not paying them their salary it's money that you are legally obligated to pay so the first question uh, that danielle's asking is can i get the money of course you can get the money and there's two ways to get the money uh, number one is you can go to the Ministry of Labor and file a complaint and have them come in and order the company to pay. Right. The other option is to go through a lawyer like myself and, and we deal with the company and make sure that they pay. That's the easy part. But the more interesting part is, is something else. Is if The company owes her money. And because of that, she says, well, I can't continue working for you if you don't pay me what you owe sure. me. So I'm going to leave. Well, there's a term for that. And, and that term is constructive dismissal. So you're not leaving in that situation because you don't want to work for the company. You're leaving because you're not getting paid. So if you're leaving in that situation, the law treats that as if you were terminated. That means you get severance. So Danielle, not only does it mean that you can get the money that you're owed, of course you can, but you can also get severance here because you're quitting because of what they did. Now, based on your age, position, length of employment, who knows, that could be a lot of money. So, and for that, you cannot go to the Ministry of Labor. For that, you do have to call me, or again, you don't like me, you have to call another employment lawyer. So my advice then, taking all that and concluding it, call me. Let's talk about it, let's get you the money that you're owed, and then let's pursue the severance that you're owed as well, because you shouldn't be out of a job just because the company is refusing to meet its legal obligations. It's, it seems so silly, too. With you. I mean, you don't know what kind of employee she is. You assume she's a good employee. don't know how long she's been there. But, I mean, over $4,000, I mean, what's that employer thinking? No, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, it's, it's, I don't know what they're thinking. You can't uh-huh. do that. And, frankly, if you can't afford to pay the employees, then you shouldn't be employing them. It, it's as simple as that. You know, there's no such thing as free labor. It doesn't work that way. Uh, and I understand that businesses go through up and down periods, but yep. if you can't pay your employees, you should not have employees. Simple as that. Terry, you are next up. Email help at employmenthour.com. Terry says, I got into an argument with a coworker and voices were raised. Uh, it got pretty heated. When my boss found out about it, I was fired on the spot with no compensation. I have always been a good employee and have worked for the company for five years. Can I get my job back? Yeah, you know, a a difficult situation. So let's break this down a bit. If you get into an argument with a coworker, that does not necessarily mean you can be fired for it. Context is very important. So, you know, it got heated. What does that mean? Does that mean we were threatening that we're going to kill each other? Does that mean we were throwing chairs at each other? Or were we just yelling and, you know, maybe kind of uh, using some language we shouldn't be using? Because if if it does rise to the level of death threats or, or something really nasty violence, then yeah, a company shouldn't tolerate that. And, and in many situations, the company can say to the, the guilty employee, you, you, you use death threats, you used violence, we can't have that here, we're going to let you go for cause. And in that situation, nothing can be done about it. But if this is a heated argument, some 
inappropriate language was used, but it didn't cross the line to you know physical altercation, then no, the company shouldn't be able to let someone go. I mean, discipline may be appropriate, a warning, even a suspension. But remember, it's difficult to let someone go for cause. But all that said, let's assume in this particular situation that the employee should not have been let go, but they were. That does not mean they can get their job back. In most instances, the law does not have a mechanism to get the employee their job back. The law can only compensate in severance. So this does sound like a situation where severance would be owed, again, unless there's violence or death threats, those types of things. So, yeah, companies should not jump the gun. They should not uh, bypass the uh, disciplinary process. If this person did this five times and the company is always trying to deal with it, yeah, at some point the company can say, what more can we do here? But if this is a one-off, out-of-character incident, even though it was not a good thing to do, the company may not be able to let go for cause, and that means severance is owed, but not the job back. In these types of situations and others, I guess, where it's employee versus employee, he said, uh, he said, she said type of thing like you mentioned, isn't it always prudent to keep email evidence or at least have your point written down so it doesn't just become verbal? It is always a good idea to, to keep uh, email evidence, to keep something in writing. Rarely, John, do I speak with someone where part of my advice does not involve keep written records, send emails, make sure that you have a record of it. That's always the right advice. And, and if you're thinking there, gosh, I wish I had a record of something, well, then why don't you create it yourself? Okay, Create it yourself. It's just as effective. Send an email to, to someone confirming what happened. Write it down at the time it happened. Email works great. Uh, you know, 20 years ago, I wouldn't be able to give that advice. Now I can. Send someone an email, your colleague, your boss, confirming a DHR person, confirming what happened. You can never, ever go wrong in doing that. And you can, you, you can or should you ask for a response once receiving this email? In other words, this is my point. Please confirm that you've read this and understood it, blah, blah, blah. You know, that, that, is, that is beautiful. That is nice. That is, you know, putting the icing on the cake. But I'd right. be comfortable even without that. As long as there's something okay. in writing that's contemporaneous, that outlines what happened, even that, frankly, John, is good enough. A heck of a lot better than just uh, taking someone's word for it. Get it in writing. That's what we always do. And your emails are exactly that. We'll get back to the all-email show here. You want to send one along, please do help at employmenthour.com. Other than that, you can get a hold of Leora and the team by phone, of course, one 821 5900 And if you have not used it yet, even just for interest's sake, to find out what your severance should be, come a time when you lose your job, severancepaycalculator.com. More of this show is on the way. It's the Employment Hour right here on Global News Radio. one 821 5900 is the number to get hold of Leora and the team at the firm email which is what we are covering off today help at employmenthour.com uh, Natalie uh, writes in Leora says I've been on a disability leave for six months my employer is putting pressure on me to return to work and that they can't keep my job any longer I'm afraid that if I don't return I won't have a job there uh, left to me uh, do you have any advice for me well you know that's uh that's obviously a, a difficult situation if you're uh if you're off work, the first thing you got to do is get better to be able to come back to work, right? Yeah. So you shouldn't ever go back to work before you're physically ready, before your doctor agrees that you are ready. The company cannot put pressure on you and should not ever put pressure on you to go back to work before you've been cleared to work. They can ask the question in terms of, have you been cleared? Do you know when you'll be cleared? Right. But they can't say, we want you to come in or, or else. That could be a human rights violation, and, and that is just a very bad thing to do because 
you're not off because you're deciding to, uh, you know, go on a long vacation. You're off because you're sick. You're off because you're disabled. You're off because you're getting medical treatment. So right off the bat, what the company's doing with that pressure is improper. The company can't also arbitrarily decide how long they're going to keep the job open. That's something they have to assess when the person comes back to work. The company is allowed to do what it needs to do to run its business. Sometimes that may mean hiring a person to replace the employee that's off on a, on a medical leave. But in terms of does the person have a job, that is an assessment that they can only make when the person is ready to come back to work. Maybe it's a month later, maybe it's a year, maybe it's two years later. At that point, the company will assess. They can't say, today I'm telling you that unless you come back now, you will not have a job with us. That in itself is a human rights violation. So when the person is ready to come back to work, the company assesses if they can take them back uh, and they have to go through a real assessment. That may mean the same job, a similar job, anything else that's available. And if legitimately, legitimately, there is no job for them, only if legitimately the company cannot find a position, then they can terminate. And of course, they would have to pay full severance, potentially even enhanced severance. So no, this company should not be allowed to put pressure uh, on her. The company should not be allowed to impose uh, you know, lines in the sand in terms of when you have to come back to work. That is improper. Uh, and if you need me to kind of get the company off your back, let me know. But my advice is follow your doctor's orders. Yeah, yeah, you speak about the doctor's orders, and in that regard, when it comes to a, uh, a workplace and an employer, sometimes they cross the line between diagnosis and prognosis, right? There's certain things they can and cannot do. Tell me about that. I had a, a case like that literally within the last couple of weeks where the, the company had an employee on a disability leave. They sent them a letter with some very specific questions. Tell me what your medical condition is. Tell me what medication you're taking, what doctors you're seeing. Ridiculous. You cannot do that. A company is not allowed to ask about the nature of your medical condition, i.e. your diagnosis. They're not allowed to ask what is your medical condition. Uh, they're not allowed to ask what medication you're taking. You know, what is actually wrong with you? They cannot ask that because, frankly, it's irrelevant. The only thing that's relevant is whether you can or cannot work. So what we call a prognosis. The company is allowed to ask you, can you work? Can you not work? How long are you going to be off work? what limitations you have, what accommodation you may need. Those are all legitimate questions, not what your condition is. Whether you have a bad back or a bad knee or suffering from depression, it doesn't matter. The real question is, can you or can you not work? And if a company crosses the line, that's improper. That could actually be a human rights violation as well. If that ever happens to, to you, give me a call, send me an email. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is that email, by the way. If you haven't caught the TV shows that happen on Saturday and Sunday mornings as well, Employment Hour at 30 on Global TV and CTV. Uh, Steve writes in next, says, I've just accepted a new job, and they are sending me an employment agreement to sign. Uh, what do I need to watch out for when I sign my new employment agreement? Very smart question from, from Steve here. Very, very smart question because you have to be mindful of these things. Most people, and I've said this on the show many times, when they get a new job offer, obviously you're happy, you're excited, uh, and you're going to look, oh, what is my salary going to be? How much vacation do I get a year? Do I get a bonus? Do I get a car? Great. Obviously, all those things are important, and you have to look at those. But that's not where the analysis ends, not even close. So what else do you have to look for? Well, the f first thing I look for when I review someone's job offer is, is there a termination clause? Yeah. Is there something in the agreement that allows the company to let you go without paying you your full severance? You don't want to find out 
three years later, if they let you go for whatever reason, that you gave up your severance right. And instead of getting six months severance, you're going to get three weeks severance. How much is that going to cost you? Tens of thousands of dollars. So you want to look at that. You want to make sure that there's nothing in there that potentially limits those entitlements. If your employment agreement refers to termination, that's almost always bad news. It doesn't refer to termination in order to give you good rights. It refers to termination in order to, in order to try to take away some of the rights that you would otherwise have. So that's the first thing I'd look for. I'd also look for other things. I'd look for things that allow the company to change your job or change your compensation. You don't want to agree to an employment agreement or sign an employment agreement that says that you know we're hiring you as our production manager, but we can change your job at any time, or we can change your compensation at our discretion. Because at that point, you may as well be signing an agreement that says, we're going to hire you for whatever job we want and pay you whatever we want, right? You would never sign something if it said that. Well, essentially, that's what you're doing if you're signing an agreement that gives the company the discretion to change your job. So look for that. Look for something that gives the company the power to lay you off temporarily. The company generally does not have the right to lay you off temporarily. But if an employment agreement says that, if an employment agreement gives the company the power to do that, then they, they can do it. And then you may find out that you're going to be off for months at a time uh, temporarily and that you can't do anything about it. No. So bottom line, you got to go beyond that. you got to look at non-competition obligations and, and other things as well. If you're not sure what something means, if you're not sure what else to look for, call me. Let me review it for you. But you have to be smart and you have to pay attention. And uh, you want to get a hold of Lior anytime in that regard or any other, or to send over your email this morning as we uh, continue on here. It is help at employmenthour.com and the number one 821 5900 It's the Employment Hour. It's here on Global News Radio. And back with the uh, the Employment Hour here, the number to contact is one 821 5900 help at employmenthour.com. Before we, uh, we took a break in the last one, Lior, it was all about employment agreements and signing a new one. Two things um, you always say. Contrary to what people think, less is more, right? You definitely less. want less is more and, <laughs> and worried less about your vacation and the money. There's deeper issues there as well, right? Less is more. You know what? Yeah. It's counterintuitive as this sounds. And, and I said this to a client just uh, just the other day, two days ago, is when you, when you get a job, I would rather you do it on a handshake. I honestly would. Handshake saying, you're starting Monday, here's your job. I'm more, more comfortable with that than you signing a 10-page document. Because I can tell you without having to read it that that 10-page document is going to have many things that are problematic to you. That's why it's 10 pages. Okay, So less is more for the employee. Of course, for the employer, if we're going to talk about the employer for a second, more is more. You want to have a more comprehensive employment agreement that protects you, the employer. So your perspective, depending on whether you're an employee or an employer, is going to be different on this issue. But you have to, if you're an employee, look beyond the salary. Look beyond the bonus and the vacation uh, if you don't, you're going to find out later that uh, the agreement that you signed is problematic. It gives you no job security, uh, and it could cost you a lot of money. Melissa is up next. She says, uh, I just found out that the chiropractor I work for is about to retire and close his practice in six months. I asked about severance, and he had no idea what I was talking about. It's such a doctor thing. Uh, I've worked for him for as a receptionist for 16 years. I don't know her age, but 16 years. Am I owed anything? 
Great question. And, you know, you mentioned something about doctors, and we've talked about this on the show. We've talked to people when we do our live show that, that have worked for doctors. I've certainly helped many people that have worked in doctor, doctor's offices over the years. And listen, doctors are, are some of the best people in our society, of course. They, they do a tremendous yep. job. Uh, they should be respected and, and commended for what they do. But what they're not necessarily good at is the business part of running a practice, and certainly the employment law part of it. Uh, and, and they'll be the first to admit it, okay? Uh, I've spoken with many doctors. They, they readily acknowledge that. But that does not mean that laws do not apply to them. That does not mean that they have different rules, different laws that they, they can follow. So in this particular situation, what does this mean? If, you're, if the doctor is giving six months' notice that the, the office is closing, when then... I, I call that six months notice of termination. The, the employee has six months notice that they don't have a job. Now that six months counts towards their severance. So what does that mean really? Well, if this person has been there for 16 years, again, we don't know their age, but they're probably looking at anywhere from 12 to 15 months of severance. And if they've gotten six months notice, that comes off the top, which means they're probably owed another six to eight months or so of pay at the end of it. So yes, your doctor, the doctor that you work for still owes you severance. That severance is due at the end when the office actually closes, when you actually are out of a job, but they have to pay you severance because six months notice is not enough to account for your severance entitlements. So doctors, offices, any other offices, if you get notice, that notice does count, but in many cases, you're still owed payment on the back end. Does that six months notice have to be in writing or is verbal okay? No, it has to be in writing. The law is very clear. To get notice of termination, it has to be in writing. Uh, usually, if it's not in writing, it doesn't count. It doesn't exist. Uh, so, yeah, your point is very good. If she just was told verbally and over lunch that the office is closing, that may not be enough, which means that that notice does not count towards her severance. But if she got it in writing, it does count, but she is still owed money on the back end. Any issues, call Lior, 1-855-821-5900. Finding out how much severance it should be, severancepaycalculator.com. Of course, and the email is what we're uh, using today, and that is help at employmenthour.com. Jason, up next, he, uh, he writes in, says, I just received notice that our business has been sold to another company. No one's told me if I still have a job. Can I get severance? Sale of a business, John, is, is, is a important and, and could be a, a more tricky aspect of, of employment law. So let's you know break this down. If the business you work in is sold, uh, the first question is, are you still going to have a job with the buyer? If you have a job with the buyer and you accept the job with the buyer, then you don't get severance. You're not owed severance, but your seniority carries through, right. which means if the buyer at some point lets you go, they have to, when they pay severance, uh, severance account for the job uh, or for the, for the time that you had uh, with the previous company. So that's a good thing. Now, if as a result of the sale, you lose the job, then you are owed severance. The company selling the business has to pay you money. So as if, as if uh, this was just a regular termination. Now, what happens if you are offered a job and you decide not to accept it uh, for whatever reason? Well, then we have to find out why you're not accepting it. If there's a good reason why you're not accepting a job with the buyer that, that's buying the business, if there's a good reason such as the job that they're giving you is going to be different, it's going to be at a different location, it's going to be less money, you have a good reason then guess what? You can say no to that job and you still get your full severance because you have a good reason to reject the offer. But if you don't have a good reason, you just don't want to accept it. You think, you know what? The business is sold. It's just a good opportunity for me maybe to go back to school, for example. Well, that's fine. You could do that. 
but you won't get your full severance. You still get some severance. You will get your minimum entitlements, which could be a week or two weeks per year of service. You won't get your full entitlements, but you still get some severance. That's what happens in the sale of a business. The real question is, are you, are you out of a job? If you are out of a job, you wrote severance. If you're not out of a job and you continue working, you don't get severance, but your seniority carries through. Janet is up next with her email, says, uh, my employer let me go because they say I don't work fast enough. I've never had any complaints before. Did they have the right to do this? Well, I, I, I get really the devil's in the details, right? I would need yeah. to know a bit more here in terms of what she's actually doing. How is she in comparison with other people? Generally speaking, can they let her go? The answer is yes, even though she's not doing anything wrong, but they'd have to pay her the severance. Right. The company can decide that we want someone that can work faster than, than Janet. So we're going to let Janet go and we're going to have to pay her full severance. They can't say, well, you're not working fast enough. That is cause for termination. So we don't have to pay you anything. That they cannot do. But the interesting thing to me is, is there potentially a medical issue that's intervening here? Maybe she can't work as efficiently because there's a health problem. Or maybe there's an age issue. Because in that situation, if the company's letting her go because her performance is not good, let's say because of a medical condition, well, wait a second. That now becomes a human rights violation. That could be discrimination based on age or a medical condition, which they cannot do. So, so the, like I said, the devil's in the details. I would like to speak to Janet and find out more about, about the circumstances, about the medical condition, if they've said anything to her in the past. This is either a situation where they just owe her severance, or it could be a situation where they owe her severance and human rights damages. Either way, they cannot let her go without compensation. Janet, uh, you know the email, of course, because I just read it out, but the number to get a hold of Leora, and you should do so, one 821 5900 and always check for your severance, how much it should be. Uh, Janet, you or anybody else listening, that is severancepaycalculator.com. I think we have time for a couple more emails after we take a short break right here on the Employment Hour, Global News Radio, one 821 5900 That is the number to get a hold of Leora and the team anytime. Emails is uh, what we're focusing on. On the show today, that is help at employmenthour.com. Helen, next one up, says, my boss is always very rude and demeaning. He yells at me regularly and puts me down in front of other employees. I've talked to HR several times about this, and they keep saying that they will speak to him. So far, nothing's changed. I'm very stressed, and I'm losing sleep. How do I make this harassment stop? No employee should ever have to suffer that. It's, it's very simple. It's basic, and you don't need an employment lawyer to tell you that that is wrong. Okay, It's wrong on a human level, but it's also wrong on a legal level. And You cannot be harassed. You should not be harassed, and your employer has to deal with it if you are being harassed. So it does sound like she did the right thing. She went to speak with HR. She gave them an opportunity to fix the problem, to make it better. And if they're not doing anything, well, I think at that point, it's time to... I call it to get legal, okay? At that point, it's time to say, well, what more can I do? I'm not going to continue suffering. I'm not going to let my health be affected, and I'm not going to go on a disability leave. So what does that mean? You may be able then to leave there and treat that as a constructive dismissal. This poisoned work environment makes it difficult to continue working. You're being harassed. You're being mistreated. You're being bullied. Well, no, you cannot do that. You cannot be put in that situation so call me. If we've given the company an opportunity, let me deal with it. Let me get you out of there and get you the compensation that you're owed because we've exhausted the internal mechanism. You've tried to do it. You did the right thing. I would have told you to do that. 
So if the company won't do it, they won't, they're ignoring the harassment, they're hoping it's going to go away, they're thinking you're exaggerating, let's talk. Don't quit before you talk to me. But I may be able to get you out of there, get you the severance that you owed. There could also be some human rights aspects here. Uh, bottom line is you absolutely have rights and you shouldn't just take it. Want to uh, slide Neil in here? I think we have time, if not a little more. Uh, Neil says, my mother told her boss six months ago that she plans on retiring. They convinced her to stay, so she continued working. Now, six months later, they let her go, and they say that uh, because she was going to well, retire anyway, they don't have to pay her anything. Is that right? No, 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 no. It's not right at all. So, you know, let's talk about that. If she was going to retire at that point, if she had retired, clearly they would not have owed her any compensation, any severance. Because it was her decision to leave, to retire, to resign, no problem. But that's not what happened. Instead of retiring, they asked her not to, and she agreed, and she continued working. Once she continued working, she's an employee the same as everyone else. So if they then decide to let her go, if they then decide to say, well, now we don't want you here, well, they're terminating employment. And the fact that she was thinking six months prior to to, to, to leave does not change the reality. They would owe her severance. They have to treat her and pay her the same as every other employee. You can't rely on something the employee was going to do in order to avoid your obligations. Now, what could this company have done? Well, they could have said, for example, to the employee, okay, you're going to leave. We want you to stay longer. So here's what we can do. How about we agree that you'll stay on for six months? Let's sign an agreement that says you're going to be with us for another six months. And after six months, you can retire and, and you would have helped us out and life was good. If she agreed and she signed a six-month agreement at that point, well, they would not have owed her additional severance because we've agreed I'm only going to work for six months more, and that's that. And that would have been fine, and there would be no obligation to pay her any severance. But if they haven't done that, if they just said, no, no, stay, stay with us, okay, I'll stay with you guys, I like you guys, I'm going to stay on, and then they terminate, the fact that she was going to leave doesn't help them. They have to pay her severance. And remember, a resignation, a retirement, that's something that only the employee can decide to do. The company can't decide for you if you've resigned or retired. They can't make you do it. They can't tell you you have no choice but to do it. They can't tell you you should do it. You, the employee, are the only one that can make that decision. Uh, And if uh, anything else than that, anything that's not your free will is not a real resignation, is not a real retirement. You would have to get paid severance at that point, and that could also, depending on uh, the circumstances, be, uh, again, human rights issues as well. This is probably the best-case scenario for her, the way this happened, right? Because now she got a little bit of a windfall at the end, right? Well, yeah, she was going to leave without severance. Now she's right. going to leave with severance, so it is good for her, And which is why the company could have been smart about it. They could have done something to protect their interests. The fact that they didn't means they don't get any breaks right now, yeah. uh, and uh, you know she's going to have to get paid what she's owed. We are done for another week. If you didn't uh, get your email read, you can still send it along. We get it on future shows. That is help at employmenthour.com. The number to get a hold of Lior, of course, and the rest of the team. Do so. Write it down, one eight. Five five eight two one fifty nine hundred, and always to check the correct amount of severance you should be getting, even if just for interest's sake, it is severancepaycalculator.com. Till next time, the Employment Hour right here on Global News Radio.